And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm so blessed to be in it. How proud are you of your son? I'm, ve I'm ve very, very proud. And I tell people all the time that I'm proud of not just Bobby. I'm proud of all four of my boys. And it's the fact that he just kept working hard, knowing the situation he was in. This time last year, he was at home with me. Uh, of course, doing all the things that we normally do. The world was shut down. We made a gym at home. We bought a treadmill. We know we, we did everything we could to stay in shape. And then all of a sudden, once the gym started opening, he started going to the gym and working out. But to be here now, it was a total 365 degree turn for us. Lastly, as a mother, when you hear these chants for your son constantly, how does that make you feel? I, 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 words can't describe it because for once for me to be in the gym and for them to do it, man, it's unreal. It's unreal or whatever. And the thing about it is that they love him here. They really love him here. You don't never hear no booze or nothing. It's always Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. I'm just blessed and humbled to be here. Big news. The Athletic NBA Show will now bring you even more content through the Athletic Audio Plus. Subscribe now for a free 30-day trial via Apple Podcasts to listen to bonus specials, exclusive interviews, Q&As, and more. And after your trial, it's only $1 a month for access to all Athletic Audio plus bonus content across our entire network of shows. Check out the Athletic NBA Show's latest bonus episode now only on Apple Podcasts. Podcast. You know, it's crazy. That's where everybody, like, when I came here, they're like, yo, you gotta, like, show, like, you gotta be the dog. And I'm like, we, man, we got dogs. Like, they just say, like, we, <laughs> like, I got here, like, we, we already got dogs. They just don't know how to be dogs. And we gonna be dogs. And our dogs is crazy. We got dogs, you hear me? Milwaukee, we dogs! Want an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news and trends in the NBA? Listen to the NBA Daily Ding podcast. Wake up and turn up the NBA Daily Ding to stay informed on all things NBA here at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts.
With the playoffs in full swing, you don't want to miss a single episode of the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA Show podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network every single Monday with myself, Zach Harper, and our cast of characters, Trevon Edwards, Jay King, Dave DeFord, James Edward III, Law Murray. We're breaking down every single big playoff story, and we're doing it with a lot of fun and a lot of trash talk. Make sure you're checking it out. The Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA show every single Monday morning right in your podcast face. Welcome to the Athletic NBA show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Y'all want to hype up Coach Bud's kicks? It's Budenholzer season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's mostly where we should have our medical director come to see you guys go through. Coach Bud, what was the experience like coaching these specific group of men oh it's incredible to coach these guys coming in every day coming into the building with a group that works like they do the group that embraces some of our mantras we talk about getting better every day we talk about playing together when you do those things you end up on a stage like this they compete they're nba champions i couldn't be more happy for our players for our team for our organization for our city of milwaukee nba champions yeah Big time. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. Yeah. You see, you see all these... <laughs> what? 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 You can't make this up, man. Oh. This organization, what we, what we put together... So I'm wondering what Disney movie, what Disney story really talked about and really Look at this, look at all these people, this is, it's so special. You know, Zora, I just can't put it into words. Your brother is right over there. Not as attractive or charismatic as Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez? It's a lot like the body Ducks, I think. We built Jamestown. Uh, we were here from the beginning. All the benefits of American society has been denied to us. You can't even measure it. I mean, each time we're down 0-2, all we did was get closer. Some teams separate. Some uh, this teams. organization took us in as family. And in one year, man, look what we could do. Maybe we could do it again, huh?
Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. It's Nerdershy Road. I botched that intro because, I don't know, Seth's still trying to clap. It's Seth's fault. It's Seth's fault. Blame it is Seth. Seth's fault. Um, I am going to blame Seth. Uh, I'm Dave DeFour, uh, Seth Partnow, Mo DeKeel. We're, the gang is all here. The season is over. The Bucks are the champs. Uh, first of all, Seth, congratulations, kind of. I mean, you know, like you were a part of the team. Listen, you were a part of the team fairly recently like it has to feel pretty good to see your at least see the people that you work with win the title right so happy for them and happy for you too because you still played a part in it i mean this i agree with the 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 well you you kind of switched it around the, the second part I did. I'm, I'm i'm like i'm 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 happy with for for the people who I, I worked with that that are still there but like it's been a very weird feeling getting congratulated because i don't i didn't have anything to do with it like okay i mean i, I mean you know maybe maybe me saying repeatedly for three years that Drew Holiday was really good. Maybe that like <laughs> lingered somewhere and, and well, you should get a ring for that. Yeah, no, but like, no, I, but I am, you know, shouts to, uh, to, you know, uh, Blaine Miller and Skylar Rimmer, two of the film guys who were, who were my guys there who, uh, who I, I saw on TV getting champagne sprayed all over themselves. So yeah, like I'm, I'm happy for those guys, happy for people in the city. It's, uh, it's been, you know, 50 years is a long time. Um, as, is, as sort of a, as a Red Sox fan, I can I can relate to how the, the 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 people here feel. It felt a lot like you know calling my dad after the I, for the people here. I imagine it felt a lot like when I called my dad after the 2004 World Series. So yeah, great, happy for this them. Is, this is proof of uh, how different Seth and I are. I'm vindictive as all hell and a little prick. <laughs> I'm like, when I leave, you can't win a championship for a couple of years. Has to be a well, few no, years no. removed. No. Last, year, last year, I, I got to admit, if last year I would have been mad. <laughs> Two years, it's fine. No, I have yeah. like a three-year span. Like I got to run here a little bit. A little, little bit of uh, different attitudes between the two of us. Um, so this, this was a super enjoyable series from a basketball perspective. I mean, the games were relatively close. I mean, even if the last four maybe it didn't feel as close because just of how – I mean, Giannis was so dominant. I, I would say I wouldn't say the Bucks were dominant. But um, would you guys would you guys think about the series overall? Are you do you guys agree with me that it was generally felt close? Like they felt like there was a lot of tension. Yeah, um, I you know there's you you play the game sort of as played. You know, you, obviously you can't do this, but you play as played a hundred times, and there are times where the the of like the first five games, there are times when Phoenix wins four of those five. You know, they they could easily have won. Game three was sort of the the only laugher in, in the Bucks' favor, and while it got closer at the end, game two was pretty much all Phoenix. And other than that, any of the other games. To some extent, could have gone either way. Game Game Six kind of felt a little inexorable towards the end, um, but yeah, no, I think I thought it was super competitive, super enjoyable. Um, I think that we really did see the value of experience. I I think um, the Bucks had a little bit more. We've been here. We know how to. And this is a refrain I went back to numerous times during the finals. The Bucks were better able to play basketball, not play the moment. Um, towards the back half of the series. And that, you know, comes from trying and failing, I think, a couple times before, having figured out how to figure things out when options one, two, and three get taken away. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. This was a closer series than I think people realized. 
you know, and, and even the first two games, you, you know, it, they pulled away in game two, but they were still single digit games in the fourth quarters in both of those games. And that was one of my things about the Bucks when we were looking at it after those two games was like, it's a little bit closer than people want to give it credit for. And then the Bucks kind of just figured it out. It, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit this series of the, the series, the Bucks lost while Seth was there. I had to tweak that there to Toronto, but you know, uh, kind of getting a little bit sort of figuring it out and, and, and the formula and, and, you know, there were close games in there and things like that, but they kind of just figured the suns out and, and figured themselves out like what they needed to do. And that's kind of what took them on the the next four games. Well, in a couple of the games, the the thing they needed to figure out was how to, to, how to make every shot. But you know, if you have guys like yes. if you have guys like Chris Middleton on your team, you're going to have games where you know. Yeah, but that was also. The, but, but really, it was their defense. Like when we're mm-hmm. talking about like figuring them out. I mean, you've you've done great stuff on how much they've limited the corner threes, and which in turn limited the opportunities for Devin Booker to get assists and things like that. Because that was kind of. I bet if you looked at it. That was probably the where he got most of his assists from, you know. Um, it's it's along those lines of like that's what I mean. Yeah, of course, you know, Middleton catching fire. It's th- that's just luck sometimes. So, you know, but I felt like defensively they really did kind of figure out how to go at the Suns. I mean, it, a little bit of uh, I don't know what do, what do we want to say? Um, drop coverage has shown to be effective if you can play it well. And it's a tool in the bag versus a every single possession type of defense. But the Bucks, I thought, showed, hey, this is how you actually have to play drop defense. So when you look at Utah and they have no good wing defenders, uh, no good point of attack defenders, and you start saying, well, drop coverage doesn't work in the NBA. Well, now you have the context of how it can work, right? Like taking away that corner three, not a lot of teams have the guys that can do that. Well, Bucks did. It, I mean, it's it's as much. It's sort of the drop coverage is a, is a hammer and an anvil, and we focus more on the anvil, which is the big guy. But you know, from a defensive standpoint, who was the most important player in the series? It's hard. I mean, you could argue Giannis, I suppose, but really, mm-hmm. I think it was really Drew Holiday, and right. like his ability to get over, around, through, under, past, whatever screens. Um, meant that he was sort of an all-purpose, oh, that guy's hitting some shots, stop that. And and whether it was Chris Paul or Devin Booker, or I think they even put him on Mikhail Bridges a couple times mm-hmm. when, when Bridges had made some shots. And, and so that, you know, not letting the guard come off a screen and just size up the big and drop coverage is a big part of why it works. Um, and it, and this, but to go back to a little bit of what you said there, because I kind of disagree a little bit with some of the stuff you said, mm-hmm. but the, the, the 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 thing about like you lined up why the Jazz you know stayed in drop coverage, but they didn't have the pieces to stay in right. drop coverage, right? Exactly. Like it's 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 you know everything that Seth just suggested with with Drew Holiday, and you can run other coverages and stay home on on shooters and things like that. It's it's all just built. But you're right on. You can't stay in one thing. You know, yeah. teams will figure you out. And I don't think that's what the Bucks did. You know, the Bucks were doing a bunch of different things. You know, at times it was a straight switch where Giannis would switch on to guys. With Lopez, they would be in drop, but they weren't in a deep drop. You right. know, they were, I think, in the first game, but they started to get back, you know, higher up in the drop. And, and it was almost closer to playing center field than than drop. And I think that's really the, the stuff you, you see with it. But, you know, 
you got to just just tip your hat to them, man. They did it. Mm. They figured it out. I mean, you know, and, and people had them left for dead after two games. Can, Mo, can you know, you, you brought up last week oh. how how the Bucks kind of remembered how big they were. I think Drew Holiday remembering how big he is was huge, right? Like he was leaning on on Booker and Paul a lot and and being able to be physical without fouling. You know, we talked about this on the ding the other night. He had that really great strip on Booker out top toward the end of that game. And it was just like a textbook steal. But it was so physical. It looks like a foul, but there's not really a foul there. And and he did that for the for the especially the last four games of the series in a way that I mean this, that was the best I had seen him play defense in the entire playoffs. Can can we go back just a second? Because Mo made yeah. a, a good point. Um, and and maybe Mo, can you describe the difference between drop and center field? Because that's oh, that's yeah. been sort of a, a misnomer about the Bucks is like part of the reason they've been so successful on the regular season is they don't play a drop. They play because Brooke Lopez has good small space mobility. Their base defense has been center field. And so the difference between that and like whether it's, you know, it's a Hassan Whiteside just dropping all the way back to the rim. Can you dis- describe what you mean, what the difference you're, you're making there is? Yeah. And, and look at the way it's actually, you could have seen it in any of the games in the finals because DeAndre Ayton was in a drop. Right. Like a lot of times guys would come off the screen, especially a high pick and roll. Aiton was playing it where his feet were pretty much in paint, you know, and you're just letting the guy come to you in center field. The 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 big man is actually up higher. But what he's doing is he's trying to play it two on two or two on one sort of thing. He's trying to make sure the roller doesn't get behind him, but trying to keep the ball in front of him in time for the guard to get back in the play. And sometimes that means you're, you're, you're staying with this kind of cat and mouse thing where you're making it look like you're taking the ball and making it look like you're taking the big, that might mean you have to make a play at the rim, but that's okay. Cause that's part of the defense in, in terms of that with your big man, but you're waiting for, you're trying to buy time for the guard to get back in front of the, in front of his man so that you can just pull straight away. But that's sort of the difference and drop. You're just kind of waiting for it to come to you. In center field, you're kind of just playing it up two on one and trying to keep everything in front of you until you can get back to your guy. Yeah. You're you're well, giving you're block, giving space right? you're giving space and retreating, not just sitting under the rim, basically. Yeah. yeah. The the block that Giannis had on on the alley oop to Aiton is a perfect example of what Mo just described. And, and I mean, yeah, you're right. Like that's exactly what they were doing. You know. You talked a lot, Mo, about how the Suns just continuously cross back after the screen, cross back. Do you feel like that? I mean, was that actually taking away the corner shot? Was that making it a little bit easier for for the Bucks to stay in center field? Do you think kind of slowed it I, up a little bit? I don't. I don't think so because they, they tended. If you look back at those games, games, especially Game Six, they they, they didn't cross back as much even. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that was something that was like, okay, it was there was more of a true just straight. I'm coming off the screen, pick and roll. It wasn't. They still did it, but they weren't doing it the way they were before, where it was literally every possession. You know, and I think even with the crossback, you can kind of pull in that that weak side guy as as like say Chris is coming across the paint. Somebody's going to pull in trying to stop Chris. That might open up that corner three there a little bit. So you know, I think. Really, just at the end of the day, the the Bucks. It was clear. I kind of had a rule. It was just, hey, stay home. Yep. If you look, you rarely saw them come in and rotate in off the weak side. If we give up a lob, we give up a lob. They literally just said, no, stay your ass there. 
in the corner and whatever happens happens you know and i think that was kind of that was what changed everything for them and it could have been crossback straight pick and roll transition whatever there was they would that you were not allowed to leave your man in the corner they i i think uh sort of related to that is uh jared dubin at 538 wrote an article i don't remember if it was after game four or five but he looked he went into the tracking data and saw that uh to that point in the series devin booker had run 50 something isos and the bucks had double teamed zero of them and and i think that's that of the same thing you're talking about the bucks did Oh, just a, a fantastic job of of staying out of rotation. So they were they were you know maybe you know maybe Devin Booker was hitting shots on them, but he wasn't breaking the defense. He was beating the defense, not breaking the defense. And it's 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 funny because we talked a lot throughout this postseason about that was kind of what Milwaukee was doing. Like it was Chris Middleton's shot making was beating a defense but not breaking it. And I do felt like that kind of flipped over the course of this series as the Bucks kind of dialed in how they could keep themselves out of rotation against the Suns' creative players. And it also goes to an earlier point before somebody says, yeah, you should never double Devin Booker. <laughs> it helps when you have Drew Holiday guarding him. <laughs> you know, it helps when you have a, a guy like that, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's always based your defense and your offense always comes down to your personnel and what you can do with them. Sometimes you have limitations that will will hold you back. Well, and the Bucks didn't have. I mean, you know, Bobby Portis was the weakest defender that they were playing, right? And, and even he held up pretty well in the series. You know, it, certainly some some gambles that didn't play off. But I think overall, you could probably just say, hey, you know what, Bobby Bobby Portis wasn't bad. He he got us some rebounds when he needed it. He was able to hold up on a switch. I, I keep talking about how you know just sometimes just being able to be a big body. And stay a big body is is a good thing uh, for a guy, and he was able to do that. So you know the Bucks didn't give up any; like there were no bad defenders on the court for them ever, and well, that's huge. Like, aside Jeff from okay. was like a word. oh, sorry, yeah, we sort of okay. memory hold that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, this is like if you if the, on the video I was just like I was wearing a giant L for I was very kind of critical of, of Bobby Portis and. Uh, yeah. Oops. Um, <laughs> oh, well, that was were. great. We all yeah, everybody yeah. was. Yeah. But because we only have look, we only have track record to go on. Right. And, and this fit has been fantastic. I, I'll admit uh, I saw the offensive fit. I, I was worried about what it was going to look like on the defensive end. But you saw like just ha- a willing shooter, Seth, when he was out there instead of PJ. Look at how much better that offense looked. And, and it was just because you knew you couldn't leave him open. You know, the defense had to play a step or two closer to him, just like they did with Connaughton. And it, and it opens up so much for the rest of the team. And then, again, them choosing to be big also played, you know, he, he was perfect for that. Yeah. The, uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned Connaughton because that's um, the importance of just having athletes you can put on the floor in – in uh, in these playoff scenarios, we, we've, we've seen it every year in the playoffs that, you know, this is something that we thought it might be a problem for Utah. And, yeah, they got hurt, but, like, their wings being Joe Ingles and, and Boyan Bogdanovich and that are playing against, you know, Terrence Mann and, and you know, Paul George and Marcus Moore and, and just getting a little bit, you know, out versatile athleted. And having having a guy who, you know, I think I think there are lineups where, where Connaughton like played a couple minutes as like a 
tiny four even in this series. Um, and just having those kind of guys, it's something we've we've talked about in the past again as sort of the Danny Ainge drafting philosophy is not is only taking guys who aren't going to get physical off the floor in a playoff scenario. And I think, you know, Pat Connaughton's usefulness in, in, in this finals really, I, I think, is of a piece with that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, and and just, again, it's along those lines where everything you look at with this team, they did have the ability to play different lineups and versatility and mix things up and go different routes. They were able to say, hey, we're going to play big. I mean, they went even to a super big lineup with 
Brooke Lopez, Giannis, and Bobby Portis. Love it. I don't know how viable it was. I loved I don't know it. How good it. it was. That's great. <laughs> but you know, and they had the ability, like you said, to put Connaughton at the four, right? Like there was a little bit, you know, just that versatility with this team. And I think that's ultimately some of the stuff we hadn't seen from the Bucks in years past. I mean, Dave, you've even heard before I've been on the before we had Seth on the pod. I used to complain about this for three yeah. years. Like yep. literally it was just like, they only do one thing. And so, you know, it's, it's seeing these kinds of things. Like this is the lesson I think you kind of take away from this stuff is, you know, I've taken away a long time ago. You got to be versatile. You got to be able to mix it up and play different ways. Cause the way you're playing may not always work. The, and the interesting thing about, um, Again, the Clippers kind of in their depth were sort of one one avenue of versatility. Yeah. I mean, the Bucks had seven guys by the end. And with those seven guys, they could play a lot of different ways. And sometimes even the same lineup could play in a different yeah. style. And I think having that, like, like you said, having that that versatility to, to kind of meet any challenge as it comes rather than than what you know, they have been criticized in the past by us, certainly, of of having sort of this is how we play and this is how we play and this is how we play. Um, after game one, I thought that they did a really good job matching their style to the what the situation called for. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I don't think there's any argument. This sucks. We're all yeah. in agreement. We need we, <laughs> well, we all just well, no, well, we watched you know, we, we just we, watched it. <laughs> we know we, we watched good basketball and we're being positive about it. Like yeah, yeah, what a concept. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, look, man, and, no, and I want to come in and trash it. <laughs> so is that so we wanna you wanna take you wanna take a run at, at Chris Paul for not winning the finals or something? Like no. oh, God, that yeah, was, exactly. uh, no. don't give me don't have to do this. Like the this the idea that uh that Yeah, yeah we we don't. It, it's 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 pretty absurd. You know what? Actually, what I want to do now, because we haven't even really talked about him yet. Um, King of the world, man. How about that game six? I, I want to just talk specifically about that. Yeah. The guy, look, for, and also, I just got to say, going to Chick-fil-A and ordering the 50 piece. That was piece, awesome. That was, that that was, was awesome. the best part. That yeah. was my favorite of the game. This guy was rules. The 50 piece at Chick-fil-A. Can I, I mean, can I put you, can you mind if I put you on camera? There's 150,000 people watching. <laughs> Did she not know who he was? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. She was aware. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you, you don't live in this town and, and, and not. So, um, First of all, he's the greatest. He's the best. Okay, person. I, I I root for this guy. I root openly for this guy. Like it's very easy. I think everybody does. He's super lovable. I like that we're celebrating him publicly right now. This is great. Um, but that game, I've never seen anything like it. Fifty points. He had five blocks. That's the first time it's ever happened in a finals game. Thanks to Keith Parrish, uh, friend of the program, for for that stat. Uh, 17 of 19 from the free throw line. And it wasn't just, he wasn't white knuckling them in. Nah, they were no, like, they were clean. They were clean. No, they that were was good. Like, that was like, if, if his, if he comes back next year and his jump shot form looks like the free throw form he was using in game six, it's a problem. Just relax. It's a, it's a will, problem. Will, will, will the defenses let him get a warm up <laughs> so, before he gets? Well, no, but he, but I'm just yeah, busted, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Relax. But just, but yeah. I mentioned. So I mentioned this to some buddies of mine because um, I, I noticed a lot of his free throws in that game were were front rim, right? And it reminded me of Tim Duncan. Like it's kind of just like make sure it's up there, nice and easy, right? So just 
groove that motion a little bit, get it up on the rim. But you were right. Like he just looked comfortable on those free throws. And, and he was in, I described it as a zone. He was in the zone. He was just so locked in. And they had, there were times where the Bucks just could not get a shot to go down. And you could just see him force the issue and play with the sort of force that we had talked about during the entire playoff run and really during the entire season. Go to the basket. Don't settle for those ISO threes. And yeah, he had that really nice one where, you know, a little behind the back dribble into the left hand. So like nice and in rhythm. That was great. But he was absolutely dominant in the paint in that game in a way that I just, I mean, Shaquille O'Neal is the only guy that comes to mind. Yeah, the the only other player besides Shaq in the last twenty years to average ten uh, rim attempts per game in the finals was LeBron, who did it like a bunch of times, but it uh, not quite as effectively. Like you know, one of those series was, I believe, the the uh, the three yards in a cloud of dust. You know, mm-hmm. when when uh, series that they end up losing in six games, the uh, when. Uh, when Del- when um, Delhi was like their second best player because uh, yeah because yeah. because uh, Kyrie and, and Kevin Love were, were hurt I want like there's a name that has to get some credit I think for how Giannis played and uh, it's a guy named Dr Craig Manning uh, you look you look up a TED talk from him on on uh, YouTube and then you know watch some of Giannis's press conferences again. And you're kind of see where some of that flow state was was coming from as my son enters a flow state running right by us again. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you, Bruce. Um, he's, he's completely in the zone. He's oblivious to anything else around. Knew him. what you that's were amazing. doing. Yeah. Knew what you were doing. Yeah, Said, hey, right. dad needs me to show them the flow state. That's yeah, all he that's was right. trying yeah. to do. So <laughs> just his performance was something, though, in the sense of it was really most impressive in the third quarter when it looked like this thing was kind of a little bit in danger of kind of slipping away a bit. And and you just felt like he was like, okay, look, Chris don't got it right now. Drew don't got it right now. I'm making, I'm making sure I take care of everything. And and he was phenomenal. And it's everything in the paint. And it was really, I mean, I still got really pissed off when he pulled up on Frank Kaminsky from three. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. A few was... uh, curse words were uttered. But like it, along those lines, like when he flexed his dominance, it was it it showed in a way we haven't seen in quite a while. And well, and he still trusted his teammates down the stretch. I mean, Chris Middleton, you know, he, he hits that crazy floating to his right uh mid-range shot to that kind of iced the game. But Giannis still played their game. It was just that when the guy like when they didn't have it going, Giannis just made it go. And, and I I mean 50 in a in a clincher. And you needed Every point, 50 of 105 of your team's points generated the way that he did. The only other game in a finals clincher that even comes to mind for me, and I'm not a basketball historian, but that Draymond game seven. And it was this. I mean, this blows that out of the water, obviously. I I mean, you like going to I mean, if you're talking about the need every play, I mean, you got to, you know, go back to the the, you know, the 98. Uh, uh, game six in Salt Lake. Yeah. Like, you know, buckets, steals. Yeah. Push off. Everything. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're Not doing a push that off with a teammate. You're doing that with a teammate <laughs> with a basically a, a, a barely can walk with his back. You know, it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just a. It, it was an all time performance. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's not. I mean, uh, everything's been said about it. 
And the, the the great part about it was that like about midway through the third quarter, you kind of knew, oh, this is something special that we are, you know, sometimes it kind of sneaks up on you and like bites you at the end. But I mean, we, we saw like two of the, like the all time single game best playoff performances this year. And one was that. And the other one was uh, Kevin Durant in game five of the second round Mm -hmm. series. And yeah, it's uh, you know, those are two of the best, maybe three players in the world at their absolute peak. And can't really ask for much more than that. It's amazing. All right. As we're kind of winding this down, I have a question for you guys. And it's going to seem weird because, you know, we've we just watched the Bucks win a title. You guys think the Bucks have more room to grow? Like, do you think they can be better than this next season? Because I do. I, I think that they left a lot on the table. But I want to ask you guys because you're my experts. I don't think so. Uh, and, and, uh, I shouldn't say I don't think so. It's it's really dependent on what the roster looks like when they come back, right? Okay. Like you well, have fair. your three, you have your three guys for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Lopez is under contract for next year. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of these. I think after that, you got to start figuring everything out. Connaughton is under contract. Uh, Portis has a player option which he will be declining. I feel pretty confident in pretty saying good, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and. Uh, um, uh, PJ Tucker has uh, is is expi- his expiring, but they have full board rates on him. Right. Yeah. So, but, I mean, you got to start figuring out what you're going to pay, where you're going to, all those things. It's it's hard to build uh, to around the the margins there. And you know, look, the East is also going to be really good next year. But I don't know how much you know more we can see from that. I think Chris Middleton is who Chris Middleton is. Like we saw him. Uh, another level this year in terms of playmaking and things like that. I don't know if he'll get much better than that. You can probably get better offensive games from, from Drew Holiday and a little more consistency offensively from him. But defensively, this is who he is, and it's freaking right. great. It's not – right. it's like, like – let's. it's great. I don't think their defense um, can get any better, right? Like, you, But you, I think you, that you. there's room for improvement on the offensive end. I think a, a, a system that helps them generate buckets – where it's not the uphill struggle that we see sometimes, you know, and reliance on some really difficult shot making from Middleton and, you know, the the stuff that they do. I just think that that kind of stuff they can improve on, but they didn't just win a title. So who knows? Maybe, maybe this is as good as it gets for them. Well, I I mean, you you think back though, like they were, they did not have a lot of depth even before Dante DiVincenzo got hurt. They didn't have a lot of depth because they traded all their depth and all their flexibility to get Drew Holiday. So next year, you know, DiVincenzo will be coming back and at some point next season, um, you have, you know, you have all the normal sort of uh, of uh, um, team building, you know, all your exceptions and stuff like that, that you can you can use again to to bring those people around. You have the lure of, hey, we just want a title. So veteran shooter X, come on down. And, you know, you talk like – would a more playable shooter than Bryn Forbes have helped this team? Yes. And so you can you have you have the basis of your team and now you can you can you can realize, okay, what were we short? We we could use one more ball handler, one more shooter, and we might need to to find someone in that Bobby Ford slot. And here are here are our avenues to to do that. Um yeah, I think they I think there are some personnel fixes that, you know, can 
because they're going to need to be better next year because the the, the East is going to be better. Yeah. Yeah. But your point, Dave, too, about like, system, you know, finding a system and things like that, that's going to come down to the guys, you know, right. and the players really kind of saying, buying into that stuff. And I don't know, I don't see that happening. You know, I don't think they're going to have a lot of guys they can run a great motion offense off of, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if there's, it would be a hard offense to build with this crew, to be honest, like, you know, system wise, you know, you tell me, what do you think? And like, well, what would you like? The, what the would number you one thing, and this is obviously they don't have, I don't think they have the tools to build it, but you know, the, the one improvement obviously would be a better drink stirrer and the pick and roll right? To, to run pick and roll with Giannis with. Um, but I, they don't have the tool necessarily to do that. But I do think that there's stuff that they can do. Uh, running more of that Chris uh, Middleton, Giannis pick and roll will help them out quite a bit. But it, it's got to be more than just pick and roll stuff. It's got, they, gotta, they need stuff that they can go to that isn't just the Chris Middleton ISO. I, I, I worry about that, you know, the sustainability of it. It works great because Chris can hit shots, but, you know, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't it be nicer if it was easier? They so they they even got some. They, it was usually out, out of timeouts, but they did yeah. th- like throughout the series. They got to some nice stuff where they kind of did action, quick swing, mm-hmm. second side action, reverse the ball a couple times, and get everyone kind of moving. They 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 did have that in the bag. It just that wasn't that that was mostly sprinkled in like ATO. And if that becomes oh, wow. sort of more of a of a of a not not the base because like the base of the offense is, is Giannis go go to the basket right Giannis go <laughs> but, get go get but, points <laughs> but but yeah like finding some stretches of games where you can okay Giannis be a decoy and then we're gonna do some side to side stuff I right. think that like you could you could get through some stretches of games a little easier with a lighter workload on on Giannis and, and Middleton. That and that's the thing, right? It's the workload. Offensive efficiency, you're, you can only improve so much. Like I think that there is a point where you just can't get any better. And, and they're already a really good offense. It's more about just lightening that load on those guys so that the buckets come easier. I mean, and, and obviously load, load managing players has not been a real issue for the Bucks. Like if anything, we probably are begging them to play players more uh, than they do. So Maybe that's not. I mean, uh, that that was sort of a, that was kind of a, a, a like we've talked about their like lack of depth in the playoffs, but in in a way that was almost a benefit. Yeah. Is you know we've wanted to see Giannis play forty two minutes a game in the playoffs. There's nobody like nobody else to play. Then he plays forty two minutes, and so you yeah. know that's. And I think that was. I think we saw that's probably at the very ragged edge of what he can play effectively, and maybe even. From a sustainability standpoint, a little beyond. Middleton can play all day. He's a great tired player, but uh, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I just I don't think they can. I don't think there's much they're going to get to in that. I don't think we're going to see a, a, a whole lot of revolution or evolution in their offense to that. So I think that's just kind of. I think this is who they are. And by the way, pretty damn good. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, any any closing thoughts from you guys on the uh, the season as a whole? I mean, like, feels like one long 18-month-long season, but uh, anything, guys? I think, you know, just the, the lesson I kind of just came away with from the playoffs was just, like, anything can happen. Literally, we had, what, three 2-0 comebacks? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, no, four. 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 Yeah. Clippers had two and the Bucks oh, had right. two. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, 
really like we kind of get ready to jump on these things and say things are over before they're over. I think it's just along the lines of like, just let it play out along more of those things for, for us in terms of watching, not so much the teams, the teams can do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> I mean, um, none of those teams coming back from two Oh really seemed all that pressed in that third game. So, <laughs> you know, like maybe, maybe we should well, take the first advice. one was crazy with the Clippers just because they lost both at home. It was, I, right. I mean, you heard me, Dave, I killed them. <laughs> No, the, I mean, aside, well, no, I mean, aside from the, like the game three of the Brooklyn Milwaukee series was one of the great rock fights of all time. So I think that, that there was, there was some tension there. Um, I, I think one thing to take away is that, uh, um, it's not exactly parody, but balance at the top is a lot of fun. Um, you went into, I think we went into the playoffs having really no idea among seven or eight teams. Who were gonna make the finals, and that was that. That's fun. That's that's much better than okay. Well, Golden State and or LeBron are gonna make the finals, and then what's gonna happen? Like it's it's uh, you know that that transition to a little bit more broader group of of teams, realist, realistically thinking they have a chance is I think more. Fun. We don't want to go all the way towards like the NCAA where it's like anybody can win, right, but yeah. but a little bit less kind of overdetermined what the finals matchup is going to be is a lot of fun. No, I, I agree with all that. Um, my big takeaway is I have, go ahead. More, I have one more thought. Okay. Pre-order the mid range theory. Thank you. <laughs> yes, please, <laughs> please pre-order that book. Um, yeah. Uh, my big takeaway is that the league has so much talent. It's just packed with talent. And, I think we can expand like the league can expand. They can add two more teams. They have the talent to do it. Um, but it was cool to see, like you said, Seth, it was cool to see new faces under pressure. It was, it was great. It was, it was fun. And so anyone saying, Oh, well, there's no stars, dude, there's a lot of new stars in the league now. I mean, Trey young was, was on the, on his path there. Anyway, there's no way after his playoff run that that guy is not a star. I mean, he leaned into it. It was awesome. One of my favorite things about the playoffs, because I know that like he comes across as an unlikable player, but I don't know anybody who isn't down with Trey Young now, including well, a certain hater on this podcast no, I, I, who I, loves that he just leaned into being a heel. No, it's 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 it, like the NBA kind of needed someone that you love to hate, and you know I and and this is you know as in. Uh, the two of with two of three of us being uh, being a fans of the of the pro graps, uh, you know the you need you need heels heels draw money and 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 your people are going to tune into like people who like Trey will tune in to watch him win people who don't like Trey will tune in to watch him watch the other team try to beat his ass and that's like that's 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 heels psychology one hundred and one and it's fabulous to have that back in the NBA. Yeah, so it's a really good time to uh, you know to watch the NBA. I think uh, the the young guys are a lot of fun, and I, it was really cool to see the new the new faces getting a chance to actually win a title. So uh, it was a good, fun, long year, but we made it. Congratulations to the Bucks! It was awesome, uh, and we'll be back next week with something on the NBA draft. I hope. The Olympics, uh, folks. Olympic basketball. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. uh, Mexico Uh, today in in soccer was just incredible. They were just fantastic today. It was a lot of fun. I don't know if anybody's watching 
after the Euros, man, I'm all in on Olympic soccer. That's where I'm at. Uh, for Seth and Mo, I'm Dave, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Nerdishy Road. Nerdishy Road.